0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, the subscription service that delivers a different independent magazine to thousands of people around the world every month. It's been a long time since our last episode and I should say up front that this isn't the start of a new season of our podcast. I may well come back to that later in the year but for now I wanted to share some of the conversations from our independent magazine fair which we held here in London last Saturday, the 14th of May. It was our first event in person since before the pandemic, and it was really wonderful being back in a room full of independent magazine fans. We held three panel discussions through the day, and I'm going to share them here, one per week for the next three weeks, starting with the day's first discussion on how to make an independent magazine. Whenever I've run any magazine event in the past, this is always the question that people want answered. So we put together an expert panel to share their thoughts on all the knotty details, like how you fund a magazine, how you keep it going, and of course the many mistakes they've made along the way. I won't talk about the speakers now because it's a proper introduction at the start of the audio. So I'll just say that it was exactly what I was hoping for. Really fun, really informative, totally open, and revealing loads of the stuff you'd never normally hear about publishing your own magazine. I think the majority of the people in the audience were there because they are either making their own magazine or they're thinking about starting, but this conversation is so wide-ranging that it works well beyond that very focused group. So I hope you'll enjoy this panel discussion about how to make a magazine. All right, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to uh, this panel discussion all about how to make a magazine. Uh, we have uh, a combined experience of almost 100 issues between the people here. So wow. I'm hoping that over that time they've learned something about how to make a magazine uh, and they're gonna be able to pass that on to you. So uh, down at the end we have uh, Rob Orchard who is one of, well, he's the co-editor of Delayed Gratification. Uh, we have Felicia Pennant, uh, who is Editor-in-Chief of Seasonzine, uh, and Eddie Reed, who is the lead editor of The Modernist. So uh, I think just to kind of establish who we are, what we're doing, let's start at the end, Rob. Could you tell us what is Delayed Gratification uh, and what makes it different to all the other magazines out there?
1: Good question, Steve. Um, so Delayed Gratification is the world's first slow journalism magazine. So we launched it back in 2010 with an idea of providing a counterpoint to super speedy uh, digital news production which was getting faster and faster and faster, driven by Twitter and by social media and was leaving journalists with less and less time to do what we want from them which is to get to grips with stories, interview experts, speak to people on the ground hopefully go to to places themselves and come back with a a best approximation um, of, of the truth I suppose Um, So what we do is we do the opposite. Instead of being online, with purely uh, print, or we were purely print at the beginning. Um, Instead of giving immediate knee-jerk reactions to stories, we wait for three months until the dust has settled, and we look back and ask the the question of what happened next. Um, Instead of being funded by invasive online advertising that's trying to grab your data, uh, we're advertising free and funded uniquely by our subscribers. Um, So we've been going for almost 12 years. We're on uh, issue 45, um, and... uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful magazine. It kind of combines long form infographics and photo features um, to hopefully build up quite a nice picture of the extraordinary times that we're living through. And it's all designed to kind of be kept, it's almost like a halfway between sort of a very slow magazine and a very fast history book, kept on your bookshelf so it builds up into a picture um, that hopefully makes this very confusing world a bit, a bit clearer. And how are we different from other magazines? I think um, there's very few independent magazines that are news magazines, very few. Um, so, in a in a way, that's kind of <clears throat> that's our sort of our, our USP, I suppose, um, is doing some some quite sort of good investigative, quite deep um, news journalism, sending people to scary places, worrying about them until they come back, um, and uh, and trying to get some beautiful stories together. Lovely, thank you, Felicia.
2: Hi everyone. So yeah, I went to grab my Chelsea scarf because I'm a Chelsea fan, and it's a big weekend for us, and that is a good place to start because that's kind of how season came into being. Um, I'm a big football fan but I'm, I work in fashion, went to St. Martins and did that kind of thing. And the idea was just to bring that together, first as a passion project, but also just being in the industry, I was meeting so many amazing football fans that were very creative. We were all creative and realising there wasn't really a space um, and it all seemed quite uh, very mal-orientated, um, very white and a bit stale to honest, not very creative. Um, so I was like, oh, let's, I think I'll make a publication. Um so that was in 2016 when the first one came out and we're now on this is issue 9 um with Lauren James on the cover and basically I guess what makes us different is the creative side but also trying to elevate the zine format the idea of it being a zine is the fact that it's you know fan made and we can really tell our own stories. So we do that but I was like coming from a magazine background I needed it to be elevated. So we do that with our design and we actually tried to push the format kind of every issue. So the idea is it's like football program size um, and we have different things. We have stickers, original football sticks in the back, um, every single issue. And they are kind of chosen by our different um, contributors inside. And then we've done things like have, well, this one's got a colouring in sheet in it. Um, And we just basically use the whole thing to just platform as much creative talent as possible. So through the stories, but also illustrators, writers, photographers, make sure there's um, a couple of fashion editorials in each one. Um, And like, there's a kind of that fashion intersection, which actually has kind of exploded in football more recently. Um, we kind of did it first. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think it's too far to say that, but we did. Um, so yeah, it started off being me and like, you know, emailing people and, or DMing people on Instagram, being like, hey, I can see you're into football. Would you be interested? And kind of pitching myself and I had a really basic PowerPoint. Um, and then now I have a really lovely team and we've managed to kind of build a really nice international network um, because I guess, you know, billions of people love football, but there are so many ways to express that. Um, and then, yeah, our um, kind of mission statement is to counter the fact that modern football culture is male, it's pale, and it's sometimes stale. So everything we do kind of comes under that, so beyond the actual printed scene, which is really important, we have our socials, we've got a website, we've got a podcast, uh, we do events where we can, but it is, um, you know, a side project, like I have a full-time job, and all of us do, so we kind of do it around that. and. Yeah, I think just love of football kind of spurs all on. So, like I said, this is a big weekend. <laughs> Chelsea hopefully will do the double. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> do it, uh, Chelsea, haven't, they've got some problems at the moment, right? There, we do, but... about Russia.
2: We do, but, like, we always... In these kind of situations, we seem to prevail, so I'm kind of quite confident today and tomorrow.
0: OK, excellent. Uh, <laughs> I know nothing about football at all, so that's a nice counterbalance. Nice yeah.
3: Uh, Eddie? Um, we run the Modernist magazine. Uh, it runs in parallel to our organisation, our umbrella organisation the Modernist Society. Uh, the Modernist Society started in Manchester as the Manchester Modernist Society about 12, 13 years ago. Um, it was a time when there was a lot of development going on in Manchester and still is and um, a lot of mid-century modernist architecture was being demolished. And we did think Manchester is very much seen as a, a, a Victorian city and we didn't think its, it's uh, modernist architecture was celebrated enough. So we definitely wanted to come and We came at it from much more of a, an art project as opposed to a conservation or a heritage thing. And um, it was basically three people, me, Jack and Warren just got together. They both came from an arts background. I came from an architectural history background. And um, we found very quickly three nerds who were at the time into mid-century architecture and we thought we were the only people in the world who were into this you know. and, and after a while we organised a couple of events and ten people turned up and then the next one twenty people turned up and we thought, well oh, maybe we're not you know, the only nerds in the village um, <laughs> and um, after about a year or so Jack said to me uh, I want to start a magazine and this was moments 10 years ago when digital was taking off and I just thought are you insane Uh, you know you want to start a magazine but anyway we weren't losing enough money so we thought yeah let's lose some more money let's start (laughs) a magazine and because what had happened is we found that we were surrounded by people who were interesting articulate could string a sentence together and they were interested in what what we were doing and they were as equally as nerdy as us. You know, they were into bins and public toilets and skyscrapers and what have you and mid century ceramics and stuff like that. So we decided if we can get twelve people together to write an article, we can put a magazine together. Um, so I can't I can't even remember how we did it. It was it was proto crowdfunding. It was before crowdfunding. We literally put a thing on Facebook or Twitter. Said, who would like a magazine? Please email us and. 150 people emailed and said, yes, we'll buy your magazine. Which was a, we were hoisted by a petard because uh, they paid for the whole year uh, for four issues. So that meant we had to do four issues. And we've, <laughs> we've been stuck with it ever since. <laughs> um, because what was happening in the original is uh, the sales of the first one paid for the next one. And we signed up, you know, we said, we'll do four a year. So we've had to do four a year. Uh, so that's a bit of a, a, a pain and um <laughs> anyway it's grown uh and grown um and now we're up to we we celebrated our 10 year anniversary last year and we're up to 42 literally well we were supposed to put 43 to bed yesterday but um anybody who's run a magazine will know that um trying to put a bed to, a magazine to bed on a friday afternoon is a, a mm. road to hiding so mm-hmm. i don't know why we do it i don't know why we try and put a bed to magazine on a friday afternoon because it never gets done so so forty three goes to bed on Tuesday, I think. Um, oh, I've not told you what it's about. Oh yeah, it's a, the it's notionally about twentieth century architecture and design, but it very we're very but we it's all the, on we don't pay any of our contributors. Nobody gets paid. We're a CIC, which is a community interest. We're a we're a non profit basically. Um, so we don't for the first eight years of the magazine nobody got paid. Um, the designer gets a little bit paid. The printer obviously gets paid. Uh, so, th- the basically, the magazine is is um, uh, probably a bit like yours. is It's made by its readers. Basically, you know, we put a call out for articles, and people contribute their photographs and their articles. Um, uh, we we literally have, don't have a pot to piss in, so we can't afford to pay um, um, contributors, which can be problematic. But I think because we are a CRC, we're, we're not profit. I think people see what we do. Is worthy, and we're very, very lucky. We, you know, people have been very, very, very generous with their expertise and their, their writing. So, um, so th- as I said, it's notionally about 20th century architecture and design, but um, it strays. You know, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we 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 will welcome anything as long as it ticks our box because we're not held to advertisers because we are our own editors. If we like an article, and it's as I say, it's it's about railings or bins we'll put it in because it's that's what we're into so, oh, so just
0: cut in there you don't just put it in that story on bins was your cover story it was mean, cover the, story. <laughs> like,
3: and yeah. it wasn't one of our biggest selling issues as well yeah, and it was an
0: awesome cover I mean like the a, a cover. A cover with a beautiful modernist bin on the, yeah. on the front of it
3: available heart store, like, yeah exactly yeah. So <laughs> available
0: to buy at the back so so Eddie you've talked about how you got it started with this like Proto crowdfunding thing before there was crowdfunding. Yeah. Um. Rob,
1: how did you actually get DG rolling? How do you make it start? So we uh, we've always taken subscriptions. <coughs> so we we had subscription stuff in place before we launched. Anybody who's who's launching an independent magazine, the number one thing I would say is if if you want to kind of really make a go of it commercially, then you've got to you've got to take subscriptions. I think. And um, Eddie's exactly right. But the problem with that is that. It does feel a bit like a pyramid scheme at the beginning, insofar as you're like, right, I've got I've got this money, but I've kind of spent it all on this issue, and I need to get more money in order to be able to kind of keep going on. And and there are pros and cons definitely of that. But the problem with uh, with not taking subscriptions is you rely on newsstand sales, and newsstand sales are a disaster, because you get between forty five and fifty percent of the the cover price back at some point in the future of the ones that they say they've sold, and you don't really have a way of verifying that, except that maybe they could rip the covers off the ones they haven't sold and, and send them back to you. Um, a lot of times, things aren't fulfilled, so even in the biggest retailers, you, know, you can pay to go into retailers, and they don't put the stuff out, and there's nothing you can do because they're a monopoly. So, subscriptions are always really important to us. We had the stuff in place from the beginning, and the, kind of, the group of um, five of us who, um, who set it up, we were uh, all journalists, and uh, we'd known each other um, for a long time. And so basically what we did was we just kind of wrote down a list of people that we thought we could uh, put emotional pressure uh, to, to bear on uh, in order to buy a, a subscription format. So like kind of friends, family, people that we knew, all that sort of stuff. And then we put out some press releases, and we, I think we sold about 400 subscriptions before um, the launch of the first issue. But it is dangerous because actually, um, shortly after the launch of the first issue, we were about to, to go under. Um, and I wasn't quite sure what we were going to do about all of these people that we'd sold a year's worth of stuff to. Um, and, then, uh, and then we had a real massive stroke of luck. We got onto the, the Today programme, just between issue one and issue two, just at a point where we were selling nothing at all. And then we sold enough subscriptions that day to keep us going, but it's a real hand-to-mouth thing. But subscriptions, that's, that's how we got it going, and that's, that's always my recommendation for, for anybody starting, mm. you have gotta get that. And it used to be really difficult. We used to have to do it through PayPal, and it was, you did as well, I think, and mm-hmm. it was super complex. And any time that a subscription came to an end, um, just because uh, somebody's kind of card wasn't working, whatever it was, PayPal would send a really weird, creepy email to them, saying that we, the kind of publishers, had decided to suspend their um, their subscription, which was horrible. It was just the weirdest thing. But now it's super easy. You just need to know uh, three names: Chargebee, Stripe and go cardless and if you hook those three up you can have a lovely slick system that works really well
0: so I, I can't believe you remembered that thing about the paypal emails i'd, I'd like erased that it from was my heartbreaking. memory <laughs> so i just went on and on,
2: on. it's the worst worst thing
0: yeah. felicia how did you manage to get season started
2: so i didn't do any of this um i actually saved an amount of money and started self-funding it myself because i didn't kind of want to be beholden to anyone like that um, but in over the six years, we've tried different things. We did have subscriptions. People still ask for subscriptions. But again, it puts pressure on you that you have to keep, I guess, delivering issues. And for us, like I said, we work full time. So it really ebbs and flows. There was a time, and also we've grown, we've like doubled the page count. So actually we went from the first couple were like about 60, 65 pages, and now we're on about 128. So it's like basically, again, two issues in one, but one issue. So if you're promising two a year, but it's double the size, like we can't promise two a year, we can promise one a year. Um, so we kind of stop subscriptions, um, but make sure they're fulfilled. Um, but not really how we fund this is through tutorials And I think it's maybe easier in a football space because there are lots of mike sports brands that kind of want to do more cultural things. Um, I think for us, it's really good because it allows us to continue our storytelling. And we you obviously, you know, meet and decide what your expectations are and what you need to do. But I I think it's given us a certain freedom. Obviously, you are beholden. I mean, we have Nike sneakers on the cover, although it was actually a natural styling choice. It was meant to be a shirt, but on their end, it didn't fit her. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't our problem. But there are things like that. There are little hoops and compromises you do need to make. But ultimately, it means you can pay for the issue. It means that um, it depends on what your, you know, your relationship is with them. Like we do other things with them, like events and other things that help you kind of get the word out, and it obviously kind of elevates what you do. So I think depending, it depends. Obviously, it depends on the content and like what your subject matter is. I think um, advertorials work for us, and working with brands that align with what we're trying to do. It makes sense for us, but I don't think it necessarily works for everyone. And obviously, it's a new of advertising because there isn't, you know, actually so much easier for someone just to send you a picture <laughs> and be like, here, resize it, and here's, you know, money. Um, no one does that anymore. They do want their pound of flesh, but actually, I think it's much beneficial. Um, and you know, it's meant that we have access to players, which is important with what we do. And yeah, so I'd say save your own money because also things kind of there are gaps or delays in payment or things like that that you definitely do need that that kind of safety net um and then subscriptions yes but only if you feel like confident that you can deliver it because the other thing is you don't want to have to refund them all because you might have to do that Mm. which again leaves another kind of black hole in your finances um but yeah it is quite hand to mouth so like, end of like this was end of last year, we're planning issue 10, which will come out kind of later this year, but actually we're at a point now where we can go and pitch to people and be like, hey, this is what we want to do. Or hey, can we have access to this person to do this? So we're kind of concepting that. And like, I'd say issue uh, seven that's out there, we were like, right, we want to do Nikita Paris. Oh, she's sponsored by Puma. And then we went to them and we're like, hey, can we um, do an editorial, And then that meant that we could fly to Leon and do it all and like we wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise and we did like a very uh, 24 hours in Leon and she almost didn't come, which was kind of crazy. She was like, my dog died so I wasn't gonna come and I, like, <laughs> I would have just dived into this, the, like, the river because of the stress to so, like, get the photographer, get the clothes, get the stylist, get everyone out, hair and makeup on the grounds and production and for her to be like, I'm not gonna come and we're only there for like a day coming from London um, so yeah I would yeah. say all of those things but I guess yeah look up if you are open to advertorials more than adverts like look up brands that would support what you do and um, you feel like you can rent uh, like maintain your integrity um, for what your content
0: so, you, so I mean thinking specifically about what you're doing I guess you've got a big event coming up this summer as well so like the World Cup is is got to be well the
2: Euros first and then a World Cup yeah so I think that's another thing I think with anything kind of football related now that women's football people have been, like it's growing we because we kind of look at both there's like a tournament every summer so you get pictures or hey we really want to work with you on this and like there are more opportunities because you know there are billions of football fans around the world so there is a market but it can be very kind of closed and clicky and boring and actually a lot of the content has no substance it's just style so it's just really figuring out like who you want to work with Does an alum your vision your storytelling and how much you're willing to kind of compromise on that And um, like you know fifa is a big thing fifa want to do things but well well we have conversations like well we know what FIFA is and what the reputation is even though that person has left um, and they're trying to change that but there's still kind of a changeover with that and obviously we have Qatar to come so mm. yeah there's a it, it can be a bit of a minefield but it, it's basically like what are you ultimately trying to achieve and also is it worth it you know
0: and then because you had the football's black gaze exhibition I guess yes, that's this kind was off of,
2: the back of this actually
0: so it's it, it is that also then something that plugs in in terms of the, the funding as well? So, the, with, yes. with Nike involved with that?
2: Yes. So, I guess again, it just depends on your relationship with them. Um, it was just an extension of like supporting the issue, but they were just kind of like, um, we'd love to support you like launching this. Mm. Um, and we actually worked with them on issue six that had Leah Williamson, who's kind of now the lioness's captain on the cover. Um, launching the Lionesses kit that was around the World Cup in 2019. Um, so a couple of years later, and obviously post-pandemic, and I was like, well, we want to do an exhibition to bring this to life. But also the goal was to platform the creatives and black photographers and football that aren't really getting the, I guess, the recognition they deserve and doing it in real life. I think that's a big thing. I think a lot of what we do when we are trying to decide, oh, who should we work with is how many of our community can we platform and like, exposed to a wider audience and if we can do that and also give them some money then mm. that's like a big factor in why we do things so yeah we had an exhibition um in Brixton a couple of weekends ago and it was lovely to see everyone in real life but also put their work up so mm. people could see it mm-hmm. um and then yeah that was
0: <laughs> uh, it uh, and Rob so th- thinking again about like other ways of bringing money in so subscriptions obviously really important for the mag but then you've got a bunch of other stuff that you do beside that. So how does that kind of grow out of the print magazine?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, our big thing is doing classes. If any of you fancy coming to classes, come to classes, that's we'll cool. teach you how to launch an independent magazine, teach you how <laughs> to don't make infographics. That's,
0: that's done, that's fine. With this, <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We'll just go back over what we've learned today. Um, uh, and with how to be an investigative journalist, how to be a graphic journalist, all of these nice things. So those are good, and I would urge people to try to do that if possible if, you know, around your magazine. I mean obviously that's a, there's a lot to do when you're launching a mag just because it means that then you can do stuff like um, incentivize people. So actually uh, we give almost 50% off our classes for subscribers so when your finger is hovering over that subscribe button you're like ah, and I get this and I get that. Or when there's a class you want to go to you're like do you know what actually if I pay £40 for a subscription I'll save like £36 on this class yeah, I'm going to do that. So we do a load of stuff like that, we sell um, back issues. Um, but we also do kind of like we do uh, teaching to big companies as well. So I think um, our main extra thing is having worked out how to make infographics, which has always been a big part of the, the magazine. We go and teach in big organisations um, how to do that, and that helps. I think that sort of slightly hybrid model is is probably quite good um, because actually, you know, like it's a, it's a difficult economic model to make work an independent magazine, and it, it takes a long time. Although that said, it is doable. And the one piece of advice I would always give is, that um, I think a large percentage of, uh, of success is just turning up. It's mm. just physically continuing to make That's this really thing. True. Do you know, like, so, because otherwise you get to, you get, you have issue one. We've made it, God, I love this, this is fantastic. Oh God, we've got to do issue two. A lot of the momentum has gone. You've used up all of the best ideas you've been sitting on for the six years when you've been plotting this. Yeah. Get issue two, right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh God, we've got to continue to make these things. And actually, you see this incredible attrition rate at issue three. And the number of times I go to sort of mag culture, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Six months later, ask about it. Oh, no, they that's kind of that sort of filtered out. So just somehow having that kind of discipline to keep going, keep going. And I would say probably if you do a quarterly magazine, you should probably factor in two and a half to three years. so that's not crazy. That's ten to twelve issues to get your head above the water to build up a sufficient kind of following, su- subscriptions if you're doing it, um, uh, and then those kind of other things around it, to make it kind of a going concern, to make it something where you can start to take some money out of it. That was our experience. That said, other people have got much better ideas than that, so they, they might come much faster.
3: I've got an analogy. I use the analogy of uh, James Dean, this is one for the kids. James Dean <laughs> and Robert Duval is, they both started their career at roughly the same time. Robert Duval was in To Kill kind a of Mockingbird, James Dean. James Dean made three, great films and then died in a car crash and left a beautiful corpse robert Duvall just made periodically great films throughout his whole career and, and just you know continued we're definitely robert duval you know. i think there's a place for james dean's and as you say you go in and you think where the fuck did they get their budget from and you can see they've just blown their whole budget on the first issue and it's absolutely beautiful the second issue not as good third issue It's like a little pamphlet, fourth issue, there is no fourth issue. So we'd rather be Robert Duval than James Dean because I'm no James Dean. um, (laughs) Nonsense. You are James Dean. um, But but I think there's a place for the James. I think that's Mm. great about indie magazines is that, you know, you get people with a great passion and clearly loads of money and they do something great and beautiful and it burns brightly, but then burns out. And I think that's, I think that's really nice. I think that keeps the magazine because we look at it and we think, oh, that's nice. Uh, we can't afford to do that, but you know, <laughs> yes. you, you you incorporate somewhere do a bit down the line and yes. and, and like, you know basically steal the ideas of all these kids who are starting magazines. Uh, <laughs> so um, so yeah. Uh, so so give,
0: give give us some examples. So what are some of the decisions then that you make that mean that you stay on that affordable? I mean, as in like sustainable end for you. So the you know kind of clearly you don't have like. Uh, I don't know, sort of like foil blocking in there and stuff like oh, that. We oh, we do. Oh, we right. do. Oh,
3: Sorry. God, nice. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so you've got, again, this is reference for the kids, Is you know, we're from Manchester, believe it or not, and Factory Records is, um, you know, th- their their model of how to lose money is, is one of our things. And the, the very <laughs> famous story of Blue Monday by New Order, uh, every copy would lose money because the production values were so high. So we had a period where... Um, I was saying earlier, as we, because we're a non-profit, when we put the price up, I, I feel very uneasy about putting the price up, um, because, you know, uh, the magazine, uh, they're, they're followers, they're not readers, they're not consumers, they're, they're, they're our followers, you know, that they're, they're part of our gang. So when we have put the price up, we try and add value, and, and then, so to do that, you know, we, we what we call a gonk, again, the reference for the kids, gonks, which is basically just, um, you know um, a gimmick basically mm-hmm. so uh, we went through a period of four blocking which was ridiculously expensive you know stupidly expensive um and it again it's kind of that the that because we're not behold to advertisers or, or we can afford to make those financial mistakes and, mm-hmm. as, and the, 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 again there are no mistakes we, there are no mistakes you know it's a learning process exactly. and and we did a belly band, again, which is very, very expensive, and they were just good. people reacted to them in lots of different ways. The shops hated them because they'd sit on the uh, the shelves and the belly band would just get ripped and it, it looked mm. tatty. Mm. And some people were very precious about it, and some people would get the magazine and rip it and throw it away. It was like, <gasps> do you know how much that fucking little <laughs> <laughs> piece of like? So we went through a period of of. of of doing gimmicks, you know, just to make the magazine more interesting. Because, as I said, the, the the subject matter is very niche, and because it's a magazine about architecture and design, we've always put the design of the magazine mm-hmm. front mm-hmm. and central. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a very well-designed magazine. And um, the content, again, maybe edit this out, is kind of secondary to me. Um, the content is obviously important, and, and I don't know if you read the, the magazine. So the content is. You know important to the readers, but me as a producer is what it looks so shallow. Wow. It's, it's well not it because you from <laughs> design, is this is
2: the perennial mm-hmm. thing between writers and designers, yeah, 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 which um, is more important.
3: <laughs> but I'm stuck in the middle, it's like graphic designers are a pain in the you know, contributors are lovely, and then I'm stuck in the middle of, you know the, the, the tension of having an interesting mm. content but also having a beautiful mm, mm. and you know, I kind of. Sway towards having a beautiful object, you know.
0: All right. Well, so Ed, Eddie started talking about mistakes, and I, I love hearing about mistakes. So
3: could I start with our very first issue? How <laughs> you <laughs> got more <laughs> mistakes? The, 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 the first, very first issue, we we I think we, there was two hundred of them. Uh, we posted them out, and I don't know if anybody is. Just um, uh, we posted them out just as letters because yeah, people, but they were a large letter. So yeah. every single person who got a copy had to go to the post office to pay a fine <laughs> for the first oh, issue because right. uh, we didn't know it was a large letter. We just, okay. just stuck a first class stamp on it. So oh that, no, I didn't. So, do so that. they all that. <laughs> <all laughs> <know. laughs> issues <I'm pretty sure. laughs> sure. 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 <laughs> <laughs> getting all smug like oh, no, yeah. I didn't do that. because I was <laughs> no my
2: face because I've gone to many a post office with like piles <laughs> of a large. We learned that lesson very
3: very quickly. But it didn't seem it was a very inauspicious start. it didn't seem to put people off. So yeah, you get to, when you run an independent magazine, you learn to learn a lot about post. Yeah. And
2: paper, yeah, more paper. about paper than I thought I'd ever know. Mistakes um, issue two, we decided to get like the season and foil. Um, and when it arrived, like half of them had like disintegrated off the cover. And I was like, <gasps> and I had to ring the printer. like, <gasps> and also some of them had already gone to like our so we have a distributor, so they'd already gone. And I was like, <gasps> Um, so, I mean, they have to like reprint and resend, but obviously it costs them a lot of money and like just the moving of everything around because the other thing to say, it's like obviously when they all come, it's like great, but like, do you want the boxes in your living space if you don't have an office? So I always like kind of like, we have a distributor, get it sent to them, like get it sent to different places off the bat, straight from the printers because I don't have time to send them all out like that. So that was a mistake. I think sometimes mistakes are like, sometimes people you work with in the nicest possible way, just like if it is independent and around other priorities, obviously if you're the founder um, or very close to it, it's obviously a priority for you, but it might not be for someone else, which means that there are delays or, or maybe the quality of what they're doing isn't what you need it to be. And I do think that, you know, I think, if you work in a team, like, like you started as a team is very different to being like, I was a lone founder and found my team. So they're a little bit more removed to it. I'm um, the one that I spend, I welcome season every day and my team really don't. Um, so trying to get answers about things and trying to get stuff like that you can't do yourself, mm-hmm. um, can really kind of delay things or change. Um, how things happen. And I think I was going to say about the point about like streams and other things you do is like we do do merch. I um, mean, it usually comes off the back of an event. So we have totes that we started. We did a launch round issue five and had totes and people seemed to like them. So we do totes. We've done like people football you yeah, yeah, people do like a tote. People and it's not lot. like we've got a new color. We've got red. We've got <laughs> <a new laughs> issue. We, before we only did black and like a few people, because this was, when was this? 2018 it's been a little while so now we've got a new range that's nice we did t-shirts we did uh football jerseys puma we've done different th- like we did patches stickers of course um things like that again can generate um like added revenue mm-hmm. but it obviously just goes straight back into what you're doing so yeah big mistake is that i would say design wise and then yeah just always being late like whatever your, your well-intentioned timeline and like having to say to the printer like, hey, I know you said this is gonna take a week, but can like, we do it quicker and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it kind of being like...
0: I've, I've been watching Rob's face with this. He's been, like, mentally indexing mistakes <laughs> and deciding which ones he's going to say and which ones he's not going to say. It. Be, just like before, you know me too well. Ju- like no, I'm sorry. Man. This is just before he reveals so really everything addict. to right. everyone. I, <laughs> so I'm going to ask uh, for questions in a minute, so please be, like, thinking about that. Um, Rob, blows away with your mistakes.
1: All right, mm-hmm. all right. So, uh, issue one, we were so keen to get so much stuff into it. That we ended up designing the text at something like 7.2 point. And um, oh, wow. I got a call from my uncle, and uh, he said, He's just like, Oh, um, yeah, like I, I think it's a good magazine, but I can't tell because I can't read anything. In it <laughs> not, okay, so that, that was the thing. We took our inspiration. For the magazine, from this um, this uh, this publication, Toast, which was a like a lovely fashion catalogue, and and, yeah. and so actually we'd been going through all of these things, like oh, what paper we use, what, what size, blah blah blah, and uh, then we're like, oh, let's just do, do this Toast catalogue. So this is the exact proportions, and the, and and it was the exact paper of the Toast catalogue for many years. Uh, but the problem that we hadn't taken into account was that the Toast catalogue was shrink wrapped and sent out. Um, and, and uh, ours we couldn't do that with, so we needed something a bit bulkier. But the problem we hadn't taken into account, which I would urge all of you to take into account, was that the average size of a letterbox in the United Kingdom is about this much more than a magazine. So we couldn't actually do any of the cheaper <laughs> options, and we basically had to, since then, any of you who are subscribers would know. Yeah. Do you um, know what the average <laughs> size of the British letterboxes what is it it's 22 millimeters. dude is it (laughs) yeah because we did we did huge research about
3: it um, you thought it through I love it I love it but we went proper dark we we, we went um, uh, we went a deep dive and we found out letterboxes started tiny went big in the 20th century and now they're getting smaller Um,
1: no. I mean, if but
3: only we'd had this conversation.
0: John <laughs> 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 team well, this is
3: what we do on a Friday afternoon: is, 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 is talk about it like, but, but you can uh, test it in the.
2: But no, but you can test it at the post office. They have that thing that you can put yeah, your. Well, no, I do that all the time. I
3: tested it on my own uh, letterbox, which is.
2: No, and you know, in the post office. Oh yeah Oh God, we, the we, sizing, we, we, you sizing You have the thing, and you can put. We've
3: got special. We've got special plastic one That's to say. You've got your own. You can do that there.
2: That's. I would. That's a thing. No, it's actually physically
3: getting it through people's letterbox because you probably nothing worse. You know yourself if you have to slap up to the up, up to the sorting office to fit your magazine up. Nothing yeah, yeah, worse. Not so that's so uh, you'll see our own format, which was the letterbox format, which was beautiful. It, it was long and thin and fitted through everybody's letterbox and soon as we changed it, out. So it doesn't fit through my letterbox. I said, so will get a bigger letterbox then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for subscribing to the magazine. Yeah, also, can you get a bigger letterbox? Books. same.
3: We, uh, we have had dark text on dark pages as well. You know, the, the oh, graphic yeah, yeah, design yeah. is, oh, this is gonna look beautiful. And, and yeah, then you it get, don't... it's always men of a certain age will say, I can't read it. My
2: dad, dad it. did that with some of the, we used a smaller font for once. Or when we had a, when I'd say about bad people, graphic designer that i told them you need to make sure the margins in the crease are like wide enough didn't listen to me and you can see that because obviously do you want people to break the spine because sometimes they have to to get it like all the way so that's the other thing that's gone wrong and for me also if you're shooting or dealing with people that have you know different tones of skin oh. the tone of the paper is really important um when we did issue five when we um, had Annie Lucan, she obviously has darker skin because the paper we chosen had like a, a yellow tint to it or it had like a, it, her skin was gray and i remember it coming back and i was like this is really bad so for this i was like we need to make sure, like every majority of people in this issue, are black. So the skip, like the tone of, like the photography, needs to be correct. That's another thing that you don't always think about.
0: Okay. Does anyone have any questions for the panel? Uh, if
3: you don't mind me asking, uh, what's the circulation? Um, we uh, currently we print seventeen hundred. Um, a thousand of them are subscribers about 200 or go to shops and the rest are individual sales of either well through our own shop we've got our own shop in manchester uh, and online so uh, 1700 and uh, we used to do 1500 and we were selling out which which again quite perversely i used to like it um that we used to sell out because it kind of adds kudos to it people always want something that they can't get uh, but it's bad business so we upped it to Seventeen hundred. Um, that mythical two thousand is elusive <laughs> at, the, at the minute. We kind of think break that you know two thousand barrier, we'll, we'll be millionaires. But um, uh, but it do, it, we're, our subscribers are very loyal. Um, they resubscribe. I think you know for all the changes we make. I think there's, our subscribers are quite loyal. So as you say, subscribers are the, the key, um, and individual sales are great being at the gravy and the yeah, 1,700.
2: Um, ours varies. It started at about 500, then it went to 1,500. It's kind of 1,000, 1,200. Um, and we sell most of ours actually through the website. Um, but I also think ours is a slow burner. So like, for instance, if Lauren has an amazing season next season, then we'll get a flurry of sales. Um, and like Tobin, um who was an issue eight, he's like massive in the States, got a flurry of cells, like whenever she does anything. So I think it kinda depends like on our covers, it's like if these if this person is relevant, we got flurry of cells. And then um we do have distribution, um, MMS so that does the UK and then US and rest of the world. Um yeah, with us it really ebbs and flows and also the other thing with us is it's women's football and only kind of just exploding, so we're a little bit ahead of it. So I'd say, yeah, um, certain issues have sold out and others we still have, but I'm, I don't hate that. And I, we always get requests to put them in libraries and like for schools and Probably. charity. Yeah, like we get different requests for things. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess between the, I think of all three of us, I think I'm just less concerned. I want to get it out, and I'm not. That concerned about money. <laughs> Maybe I should be, um, but I'm not. Because as long as we can pay for it and make sure everyone that's worked and it's compensated, I'm kind of
1: fine with that mm-hmm. for the most part. We've got um, we've got just over eight thousand subscribers, and we sell um, around two thousand at New stand and through our online shop.
0: And do do you like so so you're printing ten thousand and that. Is it? Or yeah, usually, are you printing a bit of extra to to have? Usually more do ten and a
1: half thousand, and then we've got some in the kind of back issue uh, back issue section for. for we try to sell like whole year sections, so like people can buy all of the the year of 2021 in the same year, and, and we get people occasionally buying every single back issue. We sell that for sort of like 260 quid or something wow. like it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Like a problem. So actually, quite um quite often, uh, I mean, we 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 sell maybe kind of like six or seven of those a year. But quite often they're hotels who are just yeah. trying to stock a nice, you know, That's like library nice. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: nice. Libraries they don't underestimate libraries. They yeah. come and they come yeah. and pop your, like, be like, hey, can we get these? Okay, so another nice. question over here. I've got a question. Do you, any of you target subscribers mm-hmm. abroad?
1: Yeah, we do absolutely. Um, so we have got about um, got about uh, fifteen hundred subscribers abroad. Um, sending subscriptions the subscribers abroad as Steve knows has become an absolute nightmare. So now we're in a situation where, because of Brexit, um, I have to pay some guy in the Netherlands 150 euros a month to push a button (laughs) to upload a VAT return, which I also have to pay, which I can't claim back, in order to send magazines to people in Europe. And sometimes they get them, much later than they used to, and sometimes they get a note from their local post office saying that they have to come into the local post office and pay this tax, which I've already paid, and then they get in touch with me and say I'm sorry I like your magazine but I'm not going to go pay 20 euros you know to pick this thing up I, you know this is ridiculous and so that has been a disaster for us and so we're looking into all sorts of stuff we're looking into printing in Spain we're looking into shipping in bulk to Spain and then sending out from there because actually growing in Europe which has been really good for us we charge you know like more for those subs um, is now very difficult we've got good subscription base in the states as well again you've got kind of I mean understandably given that all supply chains are breaking down and all of the pandemic restrictions that have been and stuff like that, people are taking weeks and weeks and weeks to get their issues as well um, but yeah we do, and in terms of promotion I think it's sort of, it's like events, it's insert swaps with um, publications in those countries and stuff like that but yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's a great market, it's, it's really solid um, until uh, the infrastructure sort of got, got mm. a bit knocked about. This.
0: And also just to say so the, Rob's totally right about getting stuff into the EU being a pain Getting into the US, you don't have that problem, but it is so expensive these days to send stuff to the US. It's just mind-blowing. And I hate it, because we have to put our prices up for US subscribers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people still pay it, and and that's fantastic, but that's not what the idea was in the first place. Mm. It wasn't like, here's a really expensive magazine, it was, uh, here's a mag that you can just try without thinking too much about it. Anyway, that's me jumping in, go.
2: I think I was gonna say the point about printing's really interesting, we have actually spoken about actually, like, where you print and how important that is because um, obviously, like, from our perspective, printing in London makes sense because, A, it's closer. If I need to go in and see things and, like, salt issues you can on the flip side um printing like in Europe it can sometimes be cheaper but it I mean you just send it and hope that it's fine and it comes so like printing is really interesting and I would say that get different quotes and also um like have a dialogue with them um like we were talking about like the paper and like what size is and how much ink costs like every time I have the same conversation like oh yeah so the paper use has gone up how much has gone up by, um what are the alternatives for us? it was you know is it sustainable? can we have like the like f g r thing to put in the bag and like give us the details of like how the like how can we make this really sustainable um but like keep the cost kind of affordable so yeah, printing and printers are really important, um and I'd say like that is a thing what I used to do is like go to like places like this and look in the back and see what people yeah. printed to take pictures. That's the first thing you
3: do when you magazine, you're looking back, well, oh,
2: what did the they get the paper, printed? Paper, and, like, go and see what they yeah. like they did, but like, have a conversation and just if you have any ideas. But it, particularly with us, like I, we use different paper stocks um, for our editorials. We use glossy because the colours pop more, but elsewhere we use like maps. So you don't, it doesn't have to be the same paper. Um, and then obviously with like stickers as well. Also, like, how can you do this? Um, and like make sure also that it's KISS cut and also if you have any inserts pay for them to do it. If you have have time to like stuff 500 Uh, max issues with like stickers and inserts and things like it's a lot of times that I just pay for someone to do that.
1: I got a good tip Um, in terms of printing stuff. So when you print your independent magazine, I'm not sure it is the signifier anymore but certainly back in the day it was like that uncoated stock, that lovely tactile sort of like stock with nothing on it. That was a signifier in a way of, of being an independent magazine because you were not a glossy magazine like the, the mainstream. But the problem is with uncoated stock, the ink just sort of sits on it and kind of goes muddy. But there is a thing that you can do. So um, a couple of years ago we switched to a different printer. So we go with um, Crystal Press, which is kind of North London, they're very good. And they've got an HUV machine and this is interesting because it enables you to do really, really good um, uh, printing, but on uncoated stock. Because the problem is, what happens with uncoated stock is it comes off, and then they have to sit it there for about four days for it to dry. And in that, and takes that time, time, the drying oh, oh, and it takes it just, so much time, and it sinks in and it goes kind of muddy, and, and then you have to co- correct the photos in order to kind of unmuddy them. Anyway, the thing to do is use this HUV machine, um, and what happens is it's special inks. When it comes off, it goes under high intensity UV lamp. So it comes off dry, which means that you save four days off the production process, but it also means that the ink is set um, at its kind of optimum level. So you can get incredibly good, you know, um, uh, replication of kind of photos, really, really kind of sharp detail, um, but you still get that tactility um, and that kind of lovely sort of, yeah, uh, lovely touchable print. So that's that's a nice. That's I think nice. the
3: a relationship a relationship with the printer is, is paramount. Say, we, we, you yeah. really do need uh, somebody you can have a conversation with. Uh, as you said, it, you know we could get it printed in Lithuania for pence, but our you know our, our printers in Sheffield and in Leeds I mean, and um, you know the, the conversations you have, you know that they, they understand they, they have to get what you're what you're trying to communicate. Um, and we've been very lucky. We've we've had two printers who both understand the magazine and. Understand what we're trying to do, um, you know, our attention is to detail, and you know, the fact that quality at a cheap price is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been very lucky as well, um, is that um, G. F. Smith, um, the paper manufacturer, mm. have always been very kind to us. Um, uh, the, we, in fact, I would go as far as saying uh, that we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for G. F. Smith. Um, in the early days, because you know, they basically sponsored the paper, and um, we, uh, the, there was, a, there was, there was a, a crash, you know, and, and G. F. Smith were in a bit of trouble, and they, they pulled the sponsorship. But now they've, they've come back to us. We've, we've been reunited, <laughs> <and> we reconciled <laughs> our, our love affair with G. F. Smith. So um, that, you know, that really, really helps because they understand what we're trying to do. It's mm. good for them. It's good for them. You know, we, we share the same values. That sounds a bit wanky. We, we, no, you know, it's, we, we really, it's really
2: important because, um, also like just seeing the other kind of publications that they print, like just see like their roster and mm-hmm. what their values are. The other thing I was going to say is like ink and colors and Pantone and making sure they're all good. Cause like we, that's the thing we've been doing kind of more neon colors and the green that we did, I was so worried cause I was like, obviously you're doing everything digitally. So how it looks on the screen is not how it no. looks in real life, and that's always like until th- you open that first box. Like oh my god, did it come out neon? Was it like that? Uh, having
3: a designer who's comfortable with print as well. You know, this is yes. the new generation. There's a whole generation of yes. designers who come also, through. But then also,
2: but then you can. It could be all right as long as like the printer's willing to have that dialogue. Yeah. Like I and, and also your designer's willing to ask those questions like the designer um who did a brilliant job on this like had a very long day had such a long dialogue about okay so it's this kind of red in this particular shade and no that doesn't work and they like had a whole red for this red of quite a long conversation about that and how it would flow through the issue then also how it would look on all the different paper stocks and like how yeah just like the whole kind of experience of the magazine, like it is the content, it is the design, it is all of that. There's also the paper and how it fits in your bag and how yeah. it smells mm-hmm. and like all of that makes the experience of publishing. And like if you're independent, you have the freedom. It could be whatever you want. You could make these pages centered if you wanted to, but it's your thing to do. So it is that thing of also think beyond that because yeah. also there are so many like what's another way to make what you do stand out yeah
0: and i think this is i mean like people always talk about kind of you know why 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 print in the first place Mm. when you know you've got so many options for doing things digitally i think one of the massive benefits you get from print is as you say you get to control every bit of it you control the size of it like the (laughs) color the smell whereas like if something's on a screen then fundamentally like it's it's on a the screen. There, it's got to fit. Look, we, um, I, sorry, someone's over here oh, has got a. Go got ahead, a question sorry. over here, I want to make sure we get to.
2: How
3: does social media
2: play a role in your magazine? Should I talk? Because I can say. So. <laughs> <fairly laughs> I think it's more important. To it's you more important, than important to us. us. <laughs> um, so I see it as. So I think print's really important because I was like I see it as you know we're in digital age. You need something physical and tangible to hold. And like I said, it's kind of with a like a football program in mind. Where social media comes for us is just, I guess, it's a space to kind of put our inspiration, to showcase the magazine. I mean, one thing we, I say all the time is like, people don't actually sometimes know that this is in print because we put it all on, Well, I don't put it all on, but we put parts of it on social media. But I think it's just a constant kind of dialogue with your community. For us, um, particularly kind of creatives in football, women in football, under like, marginalized communities in football, I mean, you know, I'm like, we don't need to cover the news again about BBC have done it, everyone's done it. We don't have the time or the budget or the resource and I don't care. So it's just really <laughs> figuring out what you want it to be. It's inspiration. It's letting people know what we do. Um, it's cool things we've seen. Like I, I it's a site of discovery platforming, like I said, creatives as much as possible around the world. Cause I'm just um, also just to check out what like your competitors are doing as well like oh that's pretty cool oh they did that um and then yeah just um all of those things and inspiration like from like from everything and like also getting feedback so asking people questions like oh what do you think of this or seeing how many people liked it or um what they didn't like um i think it does lots of things but yeah also if like people aren't necessarily getting the issue like physically in hand um, it's, it's a place to kind of story tell around that um, and bring other elements of it to life. Um, what else? Yeah, it's, like a, it's like lots of things, a notice
1: board. Um, yeah. Rob, how about you? What's your, what's your... I have a very vexed relationship with social media. Um, and I just feel like it's one of those things that promises so much you can reach the world with this this is amazing you can you can but I don't really want to reach the world I just want to sell (laughs) magazines so my only interest is to convert that and the thing is the whole all of these platforms they're not really set up to move you from there to somewhere else they're kind of they're all designed to kind of keep you where you are and then when you get into advertising on them you get into the back end you're like oh my god this is i just pull these little levers and i've potential audience of 16 million that's wonderful and you throw some dosh at it and it just sinks without a trace and then you employ some sort of like super genius in so- shoreditch who's going to sort you all out and, and tell you how to do it <laughs> and then they take extra dosh off you and then they put your money back in and it sinks without a trace and you can do things where like we had this thing on on reddit a while back and i know that's not sort of strictly speaking like i suppose it's type of social media but where we had, um, somebody put one of our infographics on Reddit, and the first that we knew about it was that our website like stopped functioning because we had so many people going there. It was like, amazing, right? Buy some more space, get it back up again, fantastic. And you've got this incredible thing where you've got this um, like Google Analytics graph of what happened on that day, which is going like this, and it just goes, bam, and then back again. And like tens of thousands of people just going on to see this thing. And did we sell any print magazines off the back of it? I don't think so. Yeah. No, it's
2: not just about that. Though. No, it's not. You're right.
1: It's a broader thing. It's a branding thing. There's all sorts of stuff. But when you've got limited, as we all have, amount of time, and you've got everything's on fire at, at once, you like so. Okay, right. So I could I could dedicate literally endless amounts of time to curating the most beautiful presence on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. But ultimately, is it going to make me money as fast or as directly as these other things I could do?
2: But it depends. I think that's what that's the bottom line with like content. Overall, it's like, what's the purpose of this? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this to make money or are you doing this to inspire? Are you doing this to platform yep. people, um, to uncover stories, to spread? Info- like, what's your purpose? Um, is yeah, that's like, oh, I think that's the first thing to decide when you actually start making a magazine. Mine wasn't to make money as I've got, as where I mean, I'm on issue, I'm like way less experienced than these guys, but now I'm like, okay. Not to make money for me to like make a profit. It's more just so that we can keep making it because I feel like in our space we are, um, you know, doing something different and it's worth continuing. So I'm at the point now, but when I started, I was not there. I mean, Maybe I'm gonna get a, here. I, look,
1: I totally, I totally agree with you. And also, I would advise anybody: <coughs> I think you're going into independent magazines in order to make loads of dosh? No, no. Like it's <laughs> absolutely categorically, <laughs> that's a disastrous idea. No. You're, you're going to get absolutely nowhere with that. But I, compl- I I do completely um agree with that. But I think you know, for for us it's always been about um making enough money to survive doing something we love. Like, yeah. I the only reason you would do this is because you're head over heels in love with making magazines, and it is the best fun you could possibly have. Yeah. It is. Like putting <laughs> these things together, God, it's amazing, and it's torturous, and you get this thing at the end, you're when you hold
2: the first one and you open the box and you smell it and that your room smells of like freshly printed paper you're like yeah (laughs) lovely (laughs) and glue yeah yeah. and then your wife says
0: why does our house stink of glue yeah yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) right okay we're going to have one more question and we're going to finish up
1: thank you Um, thanks thanks for all your thoughts I was uh, just picking up on uh, the, uh, the thing about you know it being a passion project,
0: and we were talking about USB in the beginning. Mm. Um, and I was wondering, when you were starting up, you know, um, you probably had multiple ideas. I'm drilling down to sort of one idea, did you have like how do you sort of market test it? I mean, to be crude about it, in that like, did you like outside of friends and family, did you get like feedback? Did you get, like speak to independent people who were harsh, critical? You know, if, was that before the first issue? Was that after the first third one?
3: Just. Um. Get Johnny Marr to wear one of your badges on American television. <laughs> uh, that was that was our spike. His, um, for those of you who don't know, Johnny Marr was in a, I pop, didn't know ma- who that was, a pop a pop <laughs> co- a popcorn called The Smiths, uh, and, yeah. and um, he's got a very very loyal following who literally worship the ground he wor- walks on. Anyway, he's, he's a he's our patron. He's a fan. And anyway, uh, is it the Johnny Carson? Is he still alive? Johnny Carson? One of these American chat shows. He wore one of our badges. And the next morning, I say our website just blown up with
1: oh, all
3: these Americans in Hicksville, USA uh, <laughs> subscribing to the magazine. You know
2: what? It, 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 it was, it you brought fine. to my mind, we were, season was a question on Jeopardy. Oh,
3: no. And someone sent it amazing. to me and
2: I was like, what? Oh, this dude. American game show. And I was like, how does this happen? Oh, but yeah, someone sent me a screenshot. I was like, that's a pretty cool so thing. P- to P- P-
3: these Americans would look, obviously, video in Johnny, or oh, video, God, because look at me. Johnny Marr, and they was t- t- zoomed in on him. Where did he get that badge from? Got on the internet, found, 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 found us, wow. and then That's subscriptions nice. went through the roof in, in America and Australia and Kazakhstan and what I mean. So yeah, get, get a nice patron, or stand.
1: We had, a, uh, we had a, um, a Word document going around the group of us that were setting it up for about a year beforehand, and it was called The Perfect Magazine. And basically we just put on all of our ideas for The Perfect Magazine, and it was all gonna be like tearing stuff up, doing it completely different, all that sort of nonsense. And um, there were ideas on there that would have just been the worst, worst possible thing. So basically, it was all like kind a of jumble of ideas and then we realised what we need to do. Like, we, need to, we need to get rid of everything on this list that doesn't sort of tie into this key story, which is returning to big stories to ask what happened next. Right? That's like, you need a, a strap line, a, a thing that kind of goes... So we got rid of loads of stuff. So one of the things, for example, was we're like, do you know what we're going to do? Is we're going to we're gonna publish the accounts. Of every issue of the magazine and inside back cover so people can see how we're doing. And thank God we didn't nice. because the first three years would have been such <laughs> oh, a yes. tragic story. But like, you Jesus. know, people are like, oh, you've had to go to prison or something. I mean what's <laughs> like it's like you've mind so much money. So um, so we we right, we've refined and we refined and we refined and then the design became kind of part of it. But no, we did not really canvas any opinion. And and this is probably quite a daft thing to do. But my thought is the best magazines. Are not made by working out like a readership and how to yeah, m- never meet do, them, yeah, never or do, like you know, like advertisers and how to reach them. You just make the magazine that you want to read, mm-hmm. and then you bloody-mindedly hope that yeah. uh, like a readership coalesces around it. Because you can't fake it. Yeah. You know, like you, uh, you're only going to be able to make the magazine you want to to read, and you know, like, and that's the only thing that's going to keep you going for for years and years.
2: That's absolutely the point. Like You don't know if it's viable until you release the first issue and see how people respond to it. I think um, for me, I mean, I kind of said, oh, I'm gonna do like fashion and football people like, Ooh. like kind of, there had been like, there was the Ween Soccer Journal, which was like 10 years ago and that was amazing, but ended. Um, and there wasn't really anything like that, like what I was proposing and I did go to Freeze did a how to make your own magazine workshop so I went to that with um, Jeremy Leslie who does mag culture but he told you step by step so I took very detailed notes (laughs) and then at the end I said to I went and said oh I have this idea of football fashion just so happens he's a Chelsea fan so we were on a level so he was like you know do it and then like bring it and like we'll stock it and like so he did but he also said you know so many people say they're gonna like make a magazine and like actually you just have to jump off the cliff Mm, and do it it. like because also like most of the mistakes and what you learn only come from doing it like there's no point I just feel like there's only so much theory and like Kate, like listening to all of us great but actually your story will be individual to what you're doing and like how you want to approach it and how much time you want to dedicate to it um I would say well I mean you can still do market research but by that it's come to things like this going to my culture or a different place and like look look at the shelf like what are you excited by what do the gaps appear to be and if that gap hopefully aligns with what you're passionate about anyway then you, okay maybe you have you know more of an indication however i think people buy great ideas great design if they like emotionally respond to it regardless if there's like 10 like how many fashion magazines are there mm. and like A lot of them are like some of them aren't making money some of them are like there's lots of magazines that cover the same topic but the 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 unique thing is you working on it and the group i would say also um it's also a different experience if you're a lone fan or single founder and working in a group of friends like it was my idea i was like right i'm gonna do it i sold it or pitched it to people and if they like the idea they've come on but also everyone that's come and become part of my team or dipped in and out has their own approach to it. And actually, I find that really nice. Like I have, for most of the issue, I think for the first three we had the same designer, and then I've had different designers. And I don't mind the fact that there's, every one is slightly different because people, different people worked on it and it isn't the same, co- the only constant, I guess, for all of them is me, but it's all quite different. And I don't mind that because then it does become, to me, a little bit more collectible. And you know that like each one is different, but, and can sit together, but it can also sit together. So yeah, it's completely like, do it, see what the feedback is. When I did the first one, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna make this and see what happens. And then actually it got a really nice response and we got some press and I was like, oh, okay. I'll try and do another one and see what happened and like, here I am, six years later. Okay. That's like I can okay. say. <laughs> all
0: right. Uh, I feel like this could, literally you go on afternoon and that would be a really nice way of spending an afternoon, but we've got another talk that we're gonna be doing in a bit. so. Um, Thank you so much, uh, you three, for coming along and sharing all of this with us. Um, Thanks so much to all of you for coming. Um, Please do go out there, have a look at the magazines, talk with these people some more, uh, and um, maybe go and subscribe to Stack. Mm Cheers. (laughs) As you heard at the end there, there were still lots more hands going up to ask questions. So apologies to those people we didn't get to, though I did see lots of them speaking to the publishers afterwards. So I hope they got the answers they were looking for. We're going to release the day's second panel on the podcast next week. That one's all about breaking the rules with three more publishers speaking about how and why they do what they do. I hope you'll also listen to that when it comes out. And of course, I hope you'll subscribe to Stack if you don't already. Uh, We deliver a different independent magazine every month. You never know what you're going to get next, but you do know it will be a beautiful, intelligent magazine you probably wouldn't otherwise have come across. And if you use the code podcast when you sign up, you'll get 10% off your first payment. Thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll be back with our next episode next week.